All right. Well, welcome. Welcome, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Oh, thank you. Sit down. No, sit down, please. No, really. No, um, uh, my gosh, this is so friendly. I love it here. Uh, my name is James. I am the campus pastor for our South County campus, which is South Orange County, which is why I don't own a pair of pants. But, uh, but we are so glad that we're here. Idaho is so nice. You have seasons. I, I thought the leaves that were in, they were orange. I thought that was just like, like, like at a pottery barn. It was just decoration. It was the actual thing. There's like actually orange leaves, which is crazy. Uh, but everybody, honestly, it's been so nice. Uh, and we had uh, dinner with Hansi and, and uh, Randy on Friday. Uh, Randy and I have been, gotten to be very close. Uh, we've been here at South Hills for several years now, and we've gotten to be very, very good buddies. Uh, he loves you so much. So does Hansi. Uh, he is one of my favorite people. He's hilarious. He tells the best stories ever. Uh, so next week, make sure you are really just uh, letting him know how much you love him. He's a great, great guy. Uh, and, and we were out there, and I forgot where we were uh, Friday night. It's a pig something. Pig. But he's just pig. So good. Oh, my goodness. But when as I'm walking around, I'm telling you right now, First off, I have an announcement to make, and this is for the dudes, okay? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very vulnerable right now. I love Hallmark Christmas movies. I do. They're the greatest. Any other guys like Hallmark Christmas movies? Thank you. Finally, some brave men. They're so good. They start off not liking each other because they're in a big city, but then they go into a small little place, and, and it's Christmas, and they get a puppy, and they fall in love, and it's awesome. Honestly, guys... Eagle is a Hallmark Christmas movie. I'm walking around. I thought I was going to see the sheriff walk in with the, with the mayor and having breakfast. And it's just so cool. I'm not used to any of this. This is, this is awesome. Uh, but we, our campus is located in Dana Point, uh, California, which is right there at the beach down South Orange County. Uh, and we live in Ladera Ranch, which is a little, little, little city right next to nestled in, in there, uh, very close to Dana Point and San Clemente and that whole area. Uh, now, Ladera, I don't know if you know this, uh, ladera is a Spanish word. Any Spanish-speaking people here? Okay, Ladera, then you'd probably know, means high taxes. So we live in high taxes ranch, but uh, it, it's great. We love it. It's, you know, when we're not at the beach, because we're always at the beach all the time, but when we're not at the beach, we're at Disneyland. We love that. We've got uh, passes for that. So we really, really love uh, being in Orange County, but this is honestly just absolutely beautiful. There was a place, and I don't know the name, they, they reckon, I, I forgot it, but they said they actually, they actually give you ribs while you're waiting to eat more ribs. Is America wonderful or what? I mean, that's great. You get ribs while you're waiting for ribs? I got to go to this place. I don't know what it's called, but I'm, I'm going to for sure hit that up. Uh, but I mentioned that we're big Disney fans. We go all the time. We have it actually, we have a room in our house. My wife, Melanie's right here and we're in the scarf. Say hi, Melanie. And uh, that's one of my daughters, Phoebe, uh, and her twin sister is actually in the kids uh, ministry right now. But we go to Disneyland all the time. We've actually been um, in the Burbank studios, which is neat. We got to walk around there, uh, but it's cool uh, just going there all the time, people watching, having a good time. We've been to Club 33, which is at Disneyland, which is super rare, and that's been really cool. In our house, we have a Disney museum with art and all kinds of cool stuff, so we're big Disney fans. So one year, my wife, for my present, got me a private tour of Disneyland. Now, again, we go all the time, but this is really cool because it's a private tour. So in that private tour, you get to go to Walt Disney's apartment. It's true. He had a, it's right here. He had an apartment directly above, she's wearing a Dodger hat, my Dodger's lost <laughs> 
Anyways, uh, 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 they had an apartment right above the fire. Well, they have an apartment right above the firehouse. And that's where Walt Disney would hang out on weekends with his grandkids and his family. And he would check out Disneyland. It's right there at Main Street. Uh, by the way, if you ever go, uh, if you grab onto the furniture and say you're not leaving, then you will call security, but that's another story. But it's awesome. It's really, really cool in there. And one of the things that the, that the tour guide does is she has a trivia question. And I'm a competitive dude. So like every time they're asking a question, I was just like, I know the answer. I know the answer. Finally, she's sick of me. And she's asking a question. And I was like, I know it. I know it. I know it. Anybody? I'm right here. Me. I know it. Anybody at all? Does anybody know? I'm like, I'm like right here. Why? So finally, a little kid was like, kind of barely raised his hand. And she's like, uh, yes, you. And I'm like, and I'm collecting all the buttons because when you get the right answer, you get buttons. And she's like, yes, you. And he's like, 1980. I'm like, wrong. <laughs> so uh, she's like, yes, yeah, Sarah. And I'm like, it's July 17th, 1955. She goes, okay, that's very good. So afterwards, we get to have lunch there. They give you lunch. Uh, and it, it's really cool. They're very generous. It's, it's, it's for, a, for a giant fee. They're very generous. But we have lunch, and we go over, and I see the lady talking to some people, and I go up to her, and I say, hey, I just want to say great job. Thank you so much for your tour. You're an awesome tour person. Thank you so much. And she goes, you certainly know a lot about Disney. I said, I do. She goes, you could be a tour guy. I was like, no. Are you serious? You really think I could? She goes, I think, I think it'd be great. I'm like, yes, I know that, right? Right? I go, you know, by the way, I've got some ideas. And she goes, tell me them. I would love to hear them. I'm like, okay, great. First off, California Adventure, terrible idea. We already live in California. This is awful. It's like a bad pier when we've already got the real pier. And she's like, oh, interesting, you know, interesting. So I'm kind of like explaining, and I go, I got another idea for Disney through the decades and Tomorrowland. She goes, that's fascinating. That is, that is such a good idea. I'm like, right? Thank you. I go, could you tell somebody about it? She goes, I'm going to tell them right now. Right now I'll tell them. I'm like, all right. Okay, great. Okay, so great, great. So I'm walking back to, to, to my wife there at lunch, and for a second, I had a fantasy that Bob Iger from the CEO of Walt Disney Company called me and said, James, I heard about your, your tour. Can, can we talk? You know, for a second, I'm thinking, this is going to go right up the ladder. And then by the time I got to sit down for my lunch, I looked back and saw her talking to other people, and I realized she's not going to do any of this. Because well, she was going, wow, that's fascinating. You don't say, I love that. That was really code for, you're a cuckoo bird. Get out of my face. You're in my personal space. You're crazy. I'm going to call security pretty soon. Like she was just being patronizing and not interested at all. And I was like, ugh. For a second there, I thought I was going to rule Disney. And then I realized I'm a nobody. They don't care about my ideas. Even if they're great ideas, they don't care. They don't care. I'm a nobody. Have you ever felt that way in your job? or your life, or your family, you go, I got good ideas. I got things that'll help us right now. But I'm a nobody. My title doesn't mean that I get to make those decisions. I can't do that yet. I didn't go to the right schools. I don't have this degree. I don't have this experience. I don't have this. And you get so frustrated. And then you get to the point where it's like, well, I guess it's just my lot in life. I guess I'll just go with the flow. I wish they would listen to me. I wish they would do what I'm asking them to do, but they're not. They're just not. And I guess this is it. And you get so frustrated because you go, I just wish they would see my potential. I wish they would see that I know what I'm talking about, that I'm, I could contribute. I could do something good. But they're not going to see it so well. And you just kind of go in that. There's that frustration. I wish they would just see my value. Now, we're not the first ones to wrestle with this, guys. There's a great story in the Bible. 
to the book of Samuel. And if, Samuel is one of the prophets. Now, if you're what's a prophet? Prophet is basically someone that God says, I'm going to use you to speak to people. I'm going to use you. You're going to be a vessel that I'm going to use. So this is about the, prop, uh, the prophet Samuel. And Samuel is tasked to get a new king. So he goes and God says, go to the house uh, of, of, of Jesse. He's got eight sons. And I want you to talk to the sons because the new king is in, in one of Jesse's sons. So Samuel's like, okay. So it's kind of like, you know, like auditions or something, you know, like American Idol. It's like, how's it going? I'm a bitter now, but I don't know. I, I, I'm pretty strong. I'd like, I think I'd be a good king. So they basically have an interview process. So that's where we're going to pick it up. First Samuel 16, 6 says this. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance. This is my favorite part. Or his height. Yes. Any other vertically challenged dudes? Get me? Okay. For I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse uh, then said, uh, then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Well, they're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. Well, Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. So here's what's happening here. David's identified by God for something very, very special. Okay? God has a big plan for David. The prophet sees it. David sees it. But his family does not see it like at all. They don't even, not even close. And they're just like, I just don't get that. Now that could be very frustrating when you feel like you're destined for something big and you feel like God's giving you something, but your family's like, nah, I don't get it. And maybe it could be like this. Maybe you could be like, uh, like a kid. Let's say you're, you're, you're a little girl, you're Jody, right? And you can't wait to go to a new church and hang out with the kids at Sunday school and you're excited. I'm gonna meet some friends. And right before you walk in, your parents go, this is Jody, she's shy. Never mind. I was excited. Parents say I'm shy. Or maybe you like to, maybe you like art or music, or you like to sculpt or whatever, and you're good at it. You love it. And other people maybe even told you you love it, or you're good at it. Parents, mm, you're more of a math person. Maybe you should concentrate on math. Don't, don't worry about that. Or you love to write stories, and you're, you're passionate about your story writing. Well, you can't make any money off of that. Science is your thing. You need to pay attention to science, and you get so frustrated. Why can't they see it? I love it. I'm passionate about it. Why can't they? Other people have told me, why can't they see it? And then your frustration, if we're being honest, goes to maybe they're right. Maybe I don't have what it takes. Maybe I can't do that. And it could become very, very discouraging. You know, my story as a pastor, I never thought I'd be a, a pastor ever. Uh, but I, what, I've been in vocational ministry now for 17 years, and I've been a campus pastor for 11 years. And for the, pa or for the first seven of those years, I was a campus pastor for a, at a very, very large church uh, for a video venue. So it was like you come up, and then you'd, you'd say some things, and then you'd show the video. And, and guys, I'm, there's nothing wrong with video venue teaching, um, you know, nothing at all. If it's getting people closer to Jesus, great, terrific. Um, and I loved it. I learned a ton from it. I got a lot of great experience from it. I loved our people. Uh, so it was great. 
But after the first couple of years, I kind of like, I want to do more. I want to actually try to teach the message. And then I even had members, loving members saying, you should teach the message, James. Maybe like once a month or once a quarter, they can let you do it. And I'm like, yeah, right, right? So I went to a pastor that had some influence over us and uh, make decision-making capabilities. And I asked him, I said, hey, I'd like to, what do you think? And he said, well, <clears throat> uh, I don't think you understand how hard teaching is, James. It's not easy. It's, it's very, very difficult. It's like, no, I get it, but I'd like to, I'd like to try it. I think I, I think I could be good at it. It's like, no. Oh. Do you want me to be brutally honest with you? It's like, well, you added the brutal part, but I, okay, uh, let's go for it. Um, so he's like, well, here's the thing. You're too honest. And I was like, okay, so check. First thing of being a pastor, you need to lie well. He's like, no, no, I'm not saying lying, but, but, but you're too open. And you, you share too much. It's, it, it's gonna, it can come off as not polished. I thought, wow, huh. See, when I was sitting in church, when I was a kid, I didn't like it. And the reason I didn't like it is because I'm never going to be that guy. I woke up at four in the morning and I read for scriptures for four hours straight. I'm like, dude, I can't do that. I would lose, like my, I just couldn't do it. And, or, and I have, I've done this and I've traveled the world and I, and I built you know, homes in, 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 in you know, all these different countries and everything. I was like, I don't even know what that looks like. I can't do that. My life's kind of messy. I have things that I'm struggling with. I have sins I wish I didn't struggle with. I have problems that I wish I didn't have. I've got fears and anxieties and insecurities that I wish weren't there. My guess is maybe somebody else has that too. So why not just be honest about it and admit it? You know, instead of coming in and going, okay, look at how great I am, be more like me. Why can't we say we're all kind of screwed up? Let's be more like Jesus. So I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't see my, my, myself changing. I feel like this is who I am. So he, so he goes, he gave me some notes and I could not find the notes. So I knew they were somewhere in our house. I, I ended up going into our downstairs closet. Does anybody have a closet where it's, it goes under the stairs and when you go in there, you're sort of like Indiana Jones exploring. Like you got a flashlight in your mouth and you're kind of crawling through all the old shoes and the photo albums and you're trying to get to like the treasure, right? So I, I finally, I found um, the notes and I kind of laughed a little bit because it said this, uh, a little too open, dresses too casual, and language a little too colorful for some longtime church attenders. Uh, I don't know what that meant. It's not like I was Sam Kinison shouting profanities or anything. I, I mean, I respect this role. I would honor this role. I mean, but at the same time, just be you, just be normal. You know, just talk like you normally talk instead of, I just, one thing that bothers me uh, about that, about some, some pastors is they, you see them off stage, and then they're one way, and then they go on, and there's like this different guy altogether. It's like, where, where did that guy come from? You know, I just didn't want, it's too showy for me. I didn't want to do it. So, um, but I thought, well, you know what? Maybe he's right. You know, maybe I don't have what it takes. Maybe, maybe I should just introduce videos and be cool with that. You know, I love the people. I'll just stick to that. In this story, the passage goes on to say this, where other people start to recognize this. First Samuel 16, uh, 18 says, One of the servants answered, I have seen the son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the liar. He's a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man. And the, Lord's, the Lord is with him. So it's not just something that David uh, sees in himself. It's not just something Samuel sees in David. It's not even something that God sees in David. Uh, the only people that don't see it are his family. The people that know him best, the people that should see this, don't see it like at all. And you think, well, that's very judgmental. How do you know they don't see it, James? You weren't there. Well, here's how I know that they didn't see it. Because 
right when he said, you're going to be king, they go, yeah, right. Go run some errands and tend to the sheep. They literally sent him to tend to the sheep right after Samuel says, this is, this is the guy. Obviously thinking, there's no way. David, David, no. Okay, you could be the king of the sheep, David. Why don't you just go and tend to them? But there's no way. No, I'm not taking orders from you. You're crazy. Pastor, the, the pastor goes on to say, 1 Samuel 17, 17. Now Jesse said to his son, David, take this ephah, which ephah is like a vessel, of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and, all, and uh, all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David uh, left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up, and set out Jesse as Jesse directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out. It's a little uh, out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Uh, so let me just break this down. David is destined to be king. God's literally said, that's the dude. That's who I want, Right? And the family is like, yeah, okay, great. Hey, David, why don't you take some grain and some cheese and some food out to the people that are actually doing the work. Now, if you're David, you're like, wait a minute, why can't you see uh, what I'm destined for? You're giving me these low-level jobs. I am destined for more than this. This is just like the bottom of the barrel jobs. This is for the rookies. I'm king or the future king. So why are you giving me these low-level jobs? I don't like this. And it makes you, it makes, I'm sure had, I would have made me frustrated. It doesn't to David for he shows his maturity. But has that ever happened to you and your family? Let's say that you're, uh, let's say you're a teacher. Okay, and you're in your family. And, uh, and your brother comes up and says, little Joey's struggling in math. And you're a teacher, you go, well, you know, I got some great tools for Joey. I'm a teacher, I teach this stuff. I could, I could actually give them to you. <laughs> no, no, we're seeing a specialist. Well, I get it. And okay, but I, I can help you. Uh, the specialist charges five hundred dollars an hour. I mean, they're good. Okay, but I can help you. No, no, we're we're fine. Thank you. Only to see that they're whatever the specialist is giving them is stuff that you had the whole time. But they're like, no, you're just my little brother. Or you're like my little sister. Or you're you're just the youngest. You know, no, no, no. I could have helped you, but you don't value anything that I say. Because you have already put me in this box that I'm not worthy of that. And it's got to be very, very frustrating. Now, here's something about David that's interesting. Even if, he did, even if he felt that way, like he was being marginalized, he didn't act that way. He seemed to understand at a very early age that it didn't mean, uh, the titles didn't mean anything. You see, a prophecy is always attached to a path. And if you want to receive this thing, you're going to have to walk down this road. God is not just going to give it to you right away. He's going to say, I've got something for you. I've given you a glimpse of it, but you got to take this road. You can't just, you can't just skip over to the end. You got to go through the process because I'm refining you. I'm preparing you. I'm molding you. I'm shaping you so that when you get there, you'll know exactly what to do. Again, at an early age, David seemed to understand this. And this is what he understood. What, I, what can I do inside my current set of circumstances to grow into this? Instead of just saying I'm demanding it, what can I do to grow into this? So eventually, we, I didn't listen to the pastor. I, I did start a, a, a campus, and uh, I came to South Hills. I went to South Hills Costa Mesa. I was like, dude, this is awesome. I love the DNA. I love the style of it. 
Loved all of it and everything about it. So we go, okay, let's do it. Now you got to remember from the process of being the, the video venue campus pastor to getting the opportunity to be the campus pastor where I could do the messages was an extremely difficult road. It was filled with tears and sadness and anxiety and stress. What are you doing with me, God? What's going on? Now, finally, we, we get the okay from Moses and he says, okay, we're going to start it. So great. So now you think that I'm at the pinnacle. I get to now do this. But it's really just starting because it's not like Moses came up as Moses, our Moses, not Moses, but it's like, you know, it's like, it's not like Moses came up and said, well, here's a great building and here's all these people, you know, and here, is, here it is and this is great. And now you got to, it wasn't like that at all. It's like, now you got to start from the beginning again. And I came from a very nice facility where everything was done and now you got to start from scratch. And so we did. Now, when we started, we started in a gym much like this. And what you got to know is before we would put the chairs down, we would have to put carpet squares down. Each individual carpet square weighed about 15 pounds, and that's us right there. And so before you could put chairs down or stage or anything, the entire floor has to have carpet squares on it. Now, I'm not saying feel bad for me because there's a lot of churches that are doing far more than that. But for us just starting, that's a big ask. Hey, come to this church, get here an hour early and load carpet squares. You too may be able to tear your rotator cuff or need knee surgery in a year. Come on down. Was not an easy sell. Okay, especially South Orange County. All right. I mean, they like their stuff nice. So they're like, where's the rock climbing wall? Where's the arcade for the kids? You know, I don't, you know, this is a big, this is a big thing, right? So I was like, oh man, I, how, are we, how are we gonna do this? But we started anyway. We did it anyway. We said, we're going to do it. It's going to be painful. We know it's going to be hard, but we did it anyway, anyway, and we did not quit. Guys, most churches don't do this. The, the, the stats that Moses shared is, is true. I know a lot of people that said, I've got a great idea for a church, and they start it, and maybe a year and a half, two at the most. It is an extremely hard thing to do to start a church, and most don't. most don't make it. A lot of them quit. David clearly does not quit. He seemed to understand that it's a process. Just because God gives you a peek at your destiny doesn't mean you're already ready. So he was where he was, and that wasn't going to change anytime soon. So what could David do during this season? He could search his heart. Which part of his heart seemed kingly? He could work on that. Now, why is that important? Because the more that part of his heart grew, the closer he got to being king. Let me explain it this way. Sorry about that. I usually use a handheld, so there we go. Sorry about that. Um, so, sorry about that. This is so nice. So I'm going to start using one of these things. I can use my hands because I talk with my hands. This is so freeing. I love this. Okay. Dancing a little bit. Okay. Anyways. So, let me look, tell you what this looks like. It, it's kind of like this. It's, it's, um, it's every day I'm preparing for what God has for me. I've done a lot of weddings. And um, one of the things in the weddings is I get the groom. And he usually has his... Toast. He goes, I like to do a toast. He goes, I, who's been married the longest? And, and the Anderson couple has been married for 65 years. 65 years, Anderson couple. That's amazing. Cheers to the Andersons. Then they make a big declaration. That's going to be us too. We are going to someday, my bride and I, this is the first day, someday we're going to raise our glass to 65 years too. Sounds great, honestly. And I wish them the best. But what the Andersons would tell you is this is not easy. It has taken every single ounce of love, energy, compassion, humility to make it this long. So instead of just saying that's going to be us, what are you doing today to be there? What are you doing today to get there? Are you being that husband today to get to there? Are you being that wife today to get to there? Because that matters, you guys. 
That matters. That's what God's looking for. You can't control the future, but you can control who do you want to be today. You know, my dad it was a great guy. And Chuck, you would have loved Chuck. He would have been coming up here, and, and he, would have, he's, he was funny, and he and I were close when I was real little. He was also in ministry. And uh, my parents owned a restaurant, so, uh, you know, he did well for himself. And, uh, but he wasn't enough. He felt like I need more. And my, my dad would always have these lofty things. One day I'm going to pr- produce a show, a TV show, a Christian show. And we're going to put this on the air and this on the air. And I'm going to do concerts and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And it was like these big giant things, which sounds great. But I always got the idea, what about, what about us? Because are we not good enough? Like, are, aren't, you, aren't we good now? Ah, yeah, I, that's going to be great. And pretty soon it got to the point where it's like, I can't get that and still have this. So I got to let this go. So he left. He left. And he went to go get that. Guys, he regretted that decision the rest of his life. He was very close with my mom. They're both now in heaven. And they were really good friends. But he told me if I could redo anything, I would never have done that. He had all of it right in front of him. But he thought, nah, I got to get there. God may have given him that vision. He just wanted to get there immediately. He didn't want to take any steps. He wanted to jump right there. And in the process, he ruined a whole lot. Now, there's a healthy middle ground between ignoring your desires and insisting upon them. So instead of saying, everybody, do it my way, do it the way I want, um, you know, it doesn't work that way. Now, how you do what's in front of you will determine what's next for you. Prophecies always come with conditions. If you continue down this path, this is what's going to happen. But if you don't, it won't. Luke 16.10 says this. Whoever can be trusted with very little could also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will, all, will be dishonest with much. Now, this is exactly what David does. He's, he is faithful in what he has. And what I've learned is the little things in our lives that we wish were bigger stay little for a lot longer than I wish they would. I wish they would grow quicker. But it's a process. And it's not always going to be easy. That, that time to be, well, you got to just buckle down and be faithful. I know, but that season's lasting a really long time. Like, when am I going to see the other side to it? Just trust him. He knows what he's doing. When it comes to our destiny, we're in such a hurry to get there. We just want to get, that's the most important thing, getting there. God, what do you have for me? I've got this. Great. Let me just leapfrog to get it. God is far more concerned of how you're going to get there. That's, that's, just, that's just as important. What he's doing for you in the meantime. We want so bad to get there. He's just saying, just follow the process. Well, what's the process? Serving. In whatever situation, instead of barking orders at people, serve them in a Christ-like attitude. We see this in our families a lot. We try to control others. We try to control how they respond to us. And so when we don't get the response we want, we play the blame game. Until you have it all figured out, then you can come talk to me. But until then, I'm just going to ignore you. Until you're willing to listen to me, then we'll talk. If you're not going to listen to me, then just leave me alone. Paul has something to say about this, and it's in Galatians 6.2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions, then take, take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. What's Paul saying? Just pay attention to your own work. Guys, as it turns out, satisfaction and fulfillment isn't the result of getting everyone around you to do everything your way, but learning to leverage all your God-given gifts and abilities to serve the people God has put in the midst of right now. 
Maybe you're wondering, well, what, actually, what exactly happened to, uh, to David then? How did that turn out? 1 Samuel 18, 14. In everything he did, David, he had great success because the Lord was with him. David was living every day with a kingly anointing, and he wore it well. Now, we think of success as like, well, now I'm the boss. So now they'll do what I tell them to do. Or now I got the crown, or now I got the title. If you really want to know when you're a good leader, it's, it's, it's representing Christ well in everything that you do, and it starts with serving. Over the long haul, that produces all sorts of success because character and faithfulness always, always, always win in the end. Character and faithfulness. Guys, that's what you're taking with you. You're not taking your job title. You're not taking your money. You will take your character. You will have that faith in Jesus Christ and that inheritance that he has for you when this life is eventually over. Those are the things that are eternal. The first rule in leadership, according to David, is this. If you are truly marked for something special, don't insist everyone treat you like it, act like it, live up to it, and demonstrate that it's undeniable. I have heard a lot of people say, I'm a great leader. You know, I've got to be this title, so I'm a great leader. Here's how you could tell if you're a great leader. Okay, real simple. Is anyone following you? I'm a great leader. Great. Who are you leading? This team. Are you managing them or are you leading? Because it's a very big difference. If you want to know who you're leading, see if they're following you in your family or in your job or in your ministry. You know, one of the things that gets thrown around a lot is respect. I need more respect. So-and-so is not giving me enough respect. They're getting too much respect. But guys, if you lead humbly with character and faithfulness, it's not going to matter. You're not going to care. You know, remember this. David's family questioned him being king. There's no way. This guy, no way. This is the kid we give noogies to. And we, you know, there's no way. By the time David becomes king, his family is the first one to go, obviously he is. They were the first to say, no way. Now they're like, of course he is. It's undeniable. Of course he's king. Why? Because he lived every day with a kingly attitude. He, had, he wore that anointing well, guys, every week we're going to give you a challenge. And I'll be honest with you guys, uh, this, this Family Month series has been so hard for me to even teach because I've got somebody in my family that I do not get along with at all, that I basically am totally fine if we never talk again. This person drives me absolutely crazy. So I'm thinking, you know, I will be a good Christian and therefore ignore said person. Um, and God will have his favor on me. But I'm like, ah, oh, now I got challenges. Now I got to love them. You know, this is great. I, and I got, so I did. I actually, I actually reached out to this person and I did one of our, our tasks, our, our, our you know, challenges. True story. It went from here to here. So this stuff works. And then the next day it went to here. But for that brief moment, it went from here to here. And I was like, yes, it started to work. Here's the thing though. I am in much better place. I'm in a much better place. I can't control that person but I can live today as though I love that person and genuinely love them. And I'm in a better place for it. It's, it's not gonna be easy, guys. It's not gonna be easy at all, but I'm in a better place. So here's our challenge. Identify one small thing you can start doing on a higher level right now. Maybe instead of just doing something more or better, it's doing something with a whole new attitude. So, we did eventually, I didn't do what the pastor told me to do. I did it anyway. We did start. We did have carpet squares. And we actually had our first service. Do you have a picture of that? So we had our service there. And it worked out great. 
It's there, it's popping, it's right there next to giant churches, but people are finding out about it and it's kind of like, you know, it's cool and people are coming down there and, and it's, it's starting to work and it's great. And it's like, yes, I get it, God, this is awesome. After the carpet squares and after all the stuff, it's actually working. This is great. Then what happens? COVID. Everything shuts down. It's like, man, I thought we were there. I thought this is what you wanted me to do. And God said, don't stop pastoring. By the way, guys, I don't, definitely don't want to get into a political thing. I'm not a politician. I'm not interested in talking about politics. I think it's very, very crazy when you start doing that in church. Because, so this is not a political thing. That being said, when, when COVID happened, I said, do not close the doors. Keep it open. If anything needs to go on during COVID, it is the church, not Walmart. You got to keep meeting. The enemy wants to decentralize us and make church something that we look at on our phone when we got a couple extra minutes. We got to go. We got to meet. So the second they let me meet, nothing was open. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with this because, you know, California is a lot different than Idaho. <laughs> uh, so they're like, everything's got to be closed forever. And I'm like, well, then arrest me because we got to go back. So, um, so I'm, I'm trying to get there. Uh, and, and finally they go, okay. One place, I had a connection in Dana Point, the Dana Point Harbor. They said, why don't you come over and we'll let you have church here. Great. So we go to church there. It's one room. We couldn't meet inside. We had to meet outside. Uh, and, uh, but it was working. And it was great for during COVID because it was, it was, you know, we didn't need a lot of space. And then the restrictions start to lessen. And now we're like, okay, now what do we do? Now we're stuck here. And our kids' ministry, we don't have a room for the kids. They meet on the deck of, of, uh, of the church. There's no room for them. And I'm thinking, we, we started off with actually a better facility when we started, and now we've almost degraded. And God, I thought you had something really special going. And people were still showing up, which is a miracle, because first off, and where we are, you can't, um, you can't have signage, because the harbor won't let you. Uh, you. You can't really park. We have to pay for parking. So imagine going to church where you got a valet, and, uh, and there's no room for kids. Let's go. We're ready, all right? So, uh, so I'm like, God, this is your church. This is your deal. you got to do something. So right now, we are actively searching for a building. South Hills is already committed to doing that. We've got a great core of people that are like, let's go for it. Let's do it. Uh, so we're excited about the future. But but there's no room for kids. They're literally on the deck. And I was talking to my buddy about it, another pastor friend of mine. He has well intentions. He says, James, I've been watching your messages uh, and I like it. And if you're ever interested, let me know. And we'd like to have you come over here. And we got a great kids facility, man. It's awesome. And that's something you got to consider. You got little ones. And I was like, hmm, hmm. So I prayed about it. I knew God called us to South Hills, but I was just praying, but what do we do with the kids, God? And uh, I asked the girls, do you guys like church? And they said, yeah. And I started really praying about it. You know what? Maybe we don't have all the fun amenities for the kids right now. We will. When we get to the building, by the way, the first thing we're doing is we are going to set the coolest kids area because they've been outside for over a year now. But when we, when we do, that'll be great. But you, okay, so right now you don't have that. What do you have? We could serve. We could do this. Do they look miserable to you? That's, that's us, Ken and Barbie in the Toy Story thing. Um, and then we, we, we do our Love the 949. It's our local outreach. But that's them serving some donuts there. And, and they're serving. And they're loving it. They're bummed when they don't get to. Why is serving in our DNA? Because our dad serves. 
Our dad does. Our dad says, I, I, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. So the fact is that we're, we belong to God. And so there's something that's enjoyable. But you know what? Not only are they serving, not only are they finding the love of God by serving, they're having a blast. They're having fun. They're enjoying themselves. They don't know the difference. They don't know that there's not a ton of amenities that they're supposed to have. They're just enjoying where they are now. And here's the deal, guys. Here's the deal. If I said we are going to wait to have a kid's ministry until we get to our building, I am dishonoring God. I'm saying, God, as soon as you hook me up, then I'll give you this. And says, no, live today, serve today as if what you're going to have. Do not wait. You're going to get that. I've already given you a sneak peek of that. I'm going to bless you with that. But I want you to go through the process. I want you to go through the, the journey. Idaho, I am talking to you right now. God is doing something amazing here. If you look around here, this room is full. This wasn't here a couple of years ago. Many of you might have lived in California and said, this is great, I'm going to stay out here. But, but it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't like this. It's, it's building, right? It's going. I saw a couple weeks ago baptisms happening out there. This is a church family that's not saying, we're going to wait to do baptisms. We're going to wait to introduce people to the Lord. We're going to wait to do these ministries. And then when we get our permanent building, then we'll do it. Not you. You're saying, I'm doing it now and I'm preparing myself. You guys are going to have one for sure. All of the, the, there's three of them that don't, us, Riverside and, and Idaho, uh, out of all of the other campuses, they're already working on it now. But you are being prepared. And when you get there, God's going to do some amazing things with you. Guys, I've been through seminary. I would trade my campus with seminary graduates any day of the week and twice on Sunday because they'd know far more to how to build a campus than any degree or any other thing that they could have, okay? I went to seminary, I didn't learn squat about starting a church. I learned great doctrine that I could teach it, but I starting it, you, you sir, what's your name? Matt. Matt. Matt, is this your first time here? No. Oh, okay, great. Matt, one day you're gonna be teaching people how to do this. You will. Because you're here doing it now. You're having the experience today. You're going to be doing this. That's not out of the question. That's real. He's going to be launching maybe some other campuses. They're going to send out teams to, to launch somewhere else. And whether it's your first time or your 20th time or 200th time, you are gaining valuable information so that you can now share it. God's preparing this for something far more than what you're seeing today. He is preparing you for what he has in the future. You, ma'am, what's your name? Allie, is this your first time here today? Okay. Whether it's your first time again or your 200th time, Allie, you're going to be training people because you're here doing it. You're here a part of it. You're seeing it. You're watching it. You're watching it build. And one day somebody's going to come to you and go, how do you do this? They're going to say, I'm discouraged. This is hard. Guys, you saw the stats. Churches are quitting all over the place. You really think Satan is going to uh, cry about that? He's loving it. He's going to want to decentralize the church more than anything. So then we're all just care about ourselves. But you are going to be training them. And when they're feeling discouraged, you're going to say, I know how you feel. I've been there. I've, I've started it. I know exactly what you're saying. Let me help you. Let me come alongside you. Let me train you. Let me shepherd you. God has got big plans for this church. 
And he doesn't want you to wait till what he has for you. He wants you to, to follow him in the process. And that's exactly what this church is doing. Whether it's in your family or in your relationships or your jobs, guys, don't wait for somebody else to, to change before you love them like God asks you to love them. Don't wait for them to say sorry. That ain't happening. Sorry. Don't wait for them to go, so, I'm so sorry. You were right this entire time and I was wrong this entire time. I just wanted to call and tell you that. That's not going to happen. But if you really want to build up some relationships, that have, especially that have been damaged, treat them well now. And over time, they're going to see that's who you are. Whatever job you have or whatever title you have, guys, serve like a, with a Christ-centered mind. Again, God can care less what seminary degrees you have, what your title is irrelevant. Do you trust me or not? Do you have the heart that I'm looking for or not? And if you do, watch what I do. God took a shepherd and made him one of the greatest kings in history. He's preparing you for something. He's preparing us for something. And I can't wait to celebrate that with you guys because at South Hills, we're all one family. We're going to close in prayer. And uh, if you're watching this online or if you're here, and if you never asked Jesus in your heart, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. And I would love to talk to you afterwards, and I'd love to help you out with that. And... Um, walk alongside you and come alongside you with that. And there's people here that would love to help you. And again, they have gifts for you. If it's your first time, we'd love to give a gift to you. And then after that, I'm going to say a quick blessing over our tithes and offerings. But Father God, I just thank you so much for the fact that, uh, that, I get to, uh, that we get to be here. Father, serving you is an honor. It's a great honor that we get to, to, to be your hands and feet, God. There's something unique and something special happening in this place. Your presence is clearly here. You've clearly anointed this, God. So help this church to continue to follow you, to seek you, and to celebrate with you what you're going to do, what you're going to continue to do. Instead of just waiting for it to happen, they're actively pursuing it now. Father God, I um, also pray for anybody that's never stepped across that line, God. I pray that they could just have the, 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 the courage today to say, yes, I need you, Jesus. I don't have it all figured out. So, so, Father, if there's anybody here that hears my voice, I pray that they could say this prayer, and that is, Jesus, come into my life. Make me a new person in you. Be my Savior. I want that eternal home in heaven with you. And so today, the best way I know how, I'm asking you to be my Lord and Savior. It's that simple. Father, if anybody said that simple prayer, the heaven is celebrating, we want to celebrate with them. We're thanking you in advance, God, for what you're going to continue to do here and the lives that will be changed, and the, the people that are here that are going to be part of that change. Father, I know that the enemy is going to try to get to us, and the enemy will use our family to do that. So pray protection over everybody here. Thank you that we're talking about this during Family Month, knowing the enemy hates us and hates what we're trying to do. And I just pray a protection over everybody here as they leave off through this week. Looking forward to having Randy and Hansi back next week, God, and uh, just continue to bless this ministry the way you have been. It's in your name. Amen.